Selling rewards people who are uniquely brilliant. So you need to have some uniqueness to you as well, mm. as a person and as the process if possible. Mm. Um, again, when we were working with Mini, they said, Let, how do we reimagine the automotive sales process? When I was working there, I had been brought up that there are steps in the sale and you must follow those. And the mini guy said, well, if everyone else is doing that, why don't we try and do something different? Hello, I'm Chris Litherman and welcome to Sparks, a series by Interactive Workshops. In every episode, we discuss how to spark something new in our work and life, from how to spark a conversation, to how to spark a pay rise, to how to spark a small team, so that we can avoid those meetings that should have been an email. This week, we're discussing how to spark sales. We'll discuss how to be commercially successful or or take our success to an even higher level of performance, whether we're selling products, services or selling ourselves. And I'm excited to be joined once again by John Asircom, CEO and founder of Interactive Workshops. Thank you, Chris. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, as always. We're going to get into sales as a, as a topic here. And I want to start with your background, John, in, in sales enablement. How did you get into this? It was the last thing I wanted to do, I'm going to be honest. I, I had a mentor that uh, was in leadership development, and that's what I wanted to do. And then when I got my first job at BMW Group, and uh, I was in retail learning and development, and I thought, oh, what's that? It turns out that was, that's sales and how to be good at retail. My mentor looked down on me and basically said, yeah, you don't really want to be in that. That's not the sexy stuff. But uh, it may not be sexy, but it's got a lot of scale. I mean, there's a lot of people who sell things who need learning development, who want to grow. And as one of our clients said to us, if you did the ROI on learning and development in sales properly, no one would ever believe you. It, it, it's, it's true. It's yeah. a really impactful thing. And um, so I, I, I started off uh, in retail learning and development at BMW Group. I, I took responsibility for uh, global sales certification for BMW Group um, as part of a, a group um, working out how to benchmark salespeople. Um, actually, firstly, that was for the mini brand. And then I took over sales enablement for mini and BMW brands. And that included all sales, sales management, um, and sales assessment certification and uh, as I started getting into this topic it's like this is actually really cool isn't it so we could do leadership development which is quite nebulous but um, I'm assessing a salesperson like maybe I'm doing a, a an actual assessment can they ask open and closed questions and I'm assessing uh, and I'm also doing role practices and I'm also training them and uh, given my psychology background, it's like, wow, this is actually really interesting. So, you know, we can look at someone's people skills and quantify the value of it in sales and w- work out who to hire, work out what skills gaps to close. I could train someone, this is how to deal with an objection well. This is a good process. And then watch whether they can execute it. And if they can't, you know that when a customer says, oh, I, you're only showing me silver cars. Uh, why you know, Why can't I have this car, car in black? And it if they can't handle that, they're not like to sell the silver car. So, right. you know, a used car salesperson, they need a lot of um, selling skills. Mm. I thought that was really cool. And then, I, you know, the more I got into it, the more I realized it's also very commercially valuable. It's a massive area. Every company has salespeople. Mm. Um, and I went from not wanting to work in sales at all to being really passionate. And I used to say to the guys at the courses that I'd run, you know, every bit of revenue in a company is driven through the salespeople. So you're the most important people. Mm. If you're doing a good job, if you're doing a really good job, we will be really successful. 
If you're not, we won't. And it's so mm. it all rests on you. Yeah. And I also I looked in the HR files and found out when I was also a bit in HR and so I looked in the folders and found out that some of the salespeople were making more than the CEO of wow. of the country. It's like, well, okay, so this is this is cool stuff selling. Mm. Yeah. A very interesting, uh, interesting topic. And like you said, uh, all businesses have have sellers need to sell to survive. But given that, why aren't we prioritizing selling? I don't know, Chris. I really don't know. Like, why are we not? I guess a bit like um, maybe the cleaning in a company. Mm. Sometimes it, it's kind of like the selling bits pushed down to some people to do. Mm. Mm. Not recognising. A, a, a job to be done. It's just uh, a necessary evil kind yeah. of I think Sue who cleans our office, she is one of the most important people here. She's imagine, incredible. Imagine if our office was filthy. Yeah. How demotivated would be. Yeah, be awful. I think it can be like that with sales. We don't recognise just how important they are. They're the most mm. important people. Mm. Um, we don't, we, we talk a lot about how we need amazing leaders. Show me, especially in big corporates, which mm. leaders made really radical decisions that massively impacted and changed what common sense leaders would do? Where's the delta on there? Mm. Whereas every bit of revenue comes through sales salespeople. Mm. So um, they're pretty important, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you can't argue with the, there's obviously very tangible results with with, uh, with salespeople and the sellers. How many other people are in that kind of job? Yeah. I mean, all sellers, give or take, are in a, in a job where every day, week or month, they can be assessed whether they've succeeded or not. Mm. And they can be compared apples with apples to peers. They have to work. They have to be good. They have to be good mm. every day. They have to work hard. Mm. And if they have a bad year, a bad season, they're pretty fired. Mm. And in your work with sales individuals, leaders, teams, is there a particular sales mindset that you've seen outperform any, any other? Mm. I have to think about that. There's lots of ways to get the job done, isn't there? There's a, mm. there's a lot of ways. I a, lot mean, of, a lot of tactics, a lot of styles. Yeah, I, I think through to the, the car sales guys, mm. sometimes there's just like a, an old person in the back of the car dealership. They just sit there. Customers come in, they walk through through the entire dealership and go and speak to that person about the car. They've been there a long time. They They know what they're doing. They're not really trying to sell anything. They're just building relationships and they do it so well that doesn't matter how bad the car was. People are going to come back to Brian or Jane or Janet or whatever to get get the next car. And other people are in the, trying to working really hard out there. You know, really putting the effort in the hard yards. Uh, you know, there's so there's so many different ways of mm. doing it. Um, but I guess the top people share some values around mm. um, wanting to have integrity, do the right thing. There's got to be some elements of hard work. Though I do think a lot of salespeople. If they didn't, if there's a bit like sports people say, oh, you know, I've put in all the sacrifice, put in all the heart. Yeah, but what if you could win without it? You'd still be, mm. still do that, wouldn't you? So yeah. I think some of them are also, you know, don't put in the hard yards and do succeed. And maybe working smarter rather Congrats. than harder. Yeah. Congrats, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's interesting, yeah. And whilst there might not be one sales mindset that, that outperforms any other, or, or at least from, from our experience, we haven't seen that. Um, like you say, there are those characteristics that might underpin a, a good salesperson is that kind of flair for for selling something that in your mind is is something we're born with or something that can be learned yeah i reckon so it probably is one of those two things <laughs> it's a paradox <laughs> i think a bit paradoxical I, maybe i think i mean there, there are some 
naturally influential people, aren't they? Mm, and mm. It, selling is a form of influence to mm. some extent. There are some naturally warm people. Mm. Selling is a, a game of connection as well. There are some naturally intellectually clever people and selling is a game of rational, logical persuasion. Mm. Sales is a game of effort. It's a game of passion. Um, I think, you know, I also never wanted to sell. So even when I was at BMW, even when I was doing sales leadership, if people say, maybe you should go and sell for a bit so you can see how hard it is. And what it, Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, thank you. I didn't want to go and sell cars. No. However, when I then started to run a company, the first thing I went, right, I can sell, try and sell some stuff. Mm. Um, and maybe a bit like Eskimos and Snows, um, there should probably be many words for sell. We, maybe soft mm. sell, hard sell, we, we have that, but mm. you know, collaborative sales and consultative sales and all the different types of sales, there are complex sales. There's, there's many different types. And um, yeah, I'm a very relationship-based person, but I also like to, to, I'm a, like to do a kind of, conceptually creative sale and I try and create an idea or a thought process that's so mm. radically exciting that people want to do it mm. that's my kind of style and put, try and put a good price ticket on it I think that communicates value in it in a in a good way and in a way that's not in no way mani- manipulative in no way negative mm. uh, in no way us versus them I think that idea exploration is a quite an exciting and a different approach to selling yeah and I think but I also the idea for me is crucial is you should have an alignment with your integrity. Mm. If you don't believe in what you're doing, if you don't believe mm. what you're selling, if you think it's a game, if you think you're manipulating people, if you think you're... Some, mm. some of my best sales tricks only ever work once. If you trick a client, mm. what, why do they want to come back? So the the a bit like in poker, if you're bluffing all the time, mm. yeah, mm. if you keep bluffing, then your bluffs won't work because people right. will just discount whether you're bluffing or not. Whereas if you bluff only occasionally, then it might work. And I feel a bit like that. Like if you're doing loads of sales tricks and loads of techniques and to people, is that who they want to work with day to day? So I'm much more into the partnership model. Can you, without trying to use any techniques, win the deals? Because it'll stand on its own, then it needs no push. Mm. Like let's say um, you're thinking about proposing to someone and you decide to trick them into marrying you. It's not great, is it? It's going to come back to bite you in some yeah. way. Or if you it? use a technique to get them to say yes. Yeah. Ooh, you know? yeah. So no, I'm like, let's get genuine partnerships that yeah. work for everybody. Yeah. And um, I guess our win rate, I think we're our win rates, our win rate's 70 something percent here. So I guess that works as well. It's high. It's, it's high. high. It's too high. It should be a bit more work. Yeah. Uh, we talk a lot about outcome goals um, and, and when it comes to sales, sellers will be setting goals, might have targets for the quarter, for the year. Um, the only actions we can actually control are, are the inputs. How do we how do we get that balance right? Because there's going to be sales numbers that we that we need to achieve or want to achieve, but we can only control some of these things that are part of our job. Mm. How how have you managed that? Maths. Mm. You've got to selling is a, is a maths problem. Let's say you need to sell a million of stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you need to bid on? More than that. More than that. You definitely need to bid on more than that. Possibly double that. Maybe maybe triple. more than that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if a good a good um, win rate's about thirty percent. If you're winning mm-hmm. about thirty percent, you're pretty bidding on enough stuff and winning enough stuff. Mm. But so so there's a part of it is the math. Is have you got the right things in the funnel? Have you got the right? Are those? So that's one part. Are you bidding on enough stuff? And so that yeah. so sales does reward people who are busy mm. because they're bidding on enough stuff. Yeah. Then you've got to also think um, how how's your risk spread? If I'm trying to sell a million pounds worth of stuff. And I bid on three million of stuff. Does that sound about right to you? Mm. 
are you thinking? Probably not enough, is it? You should be a bid or more, okay? Yeah. But then you might do less good a job on each bid. This is true. Yeah, but the other question you should ask then is, what if it's one three million pound deal mm. versus a million three pound deals? <laughs> yeah? Yep. In the first one, there's a good chance that you actually won't win it. Mm. Whereas on the second one, you're going to come very close if you if you keep repeating the frequency. Mm. So so the, the maths bit is important. And, and um, you know, depending on what's going on in the marketplace, we we sometimes try and think about whether we're trying to sell big deals or small deals. Is it key accounts or is it just close small things? Or, you know, I think um, uh, sellers should try and work out what they're, what they're trying to do in the marketplace. So you've got what you're bidding on and then yeah. how big those deals are and then how hard you're working and also how good you are. Mm. And... Um, you can probably work that out by comparing your close rate with your peers. You know, are you getting, are you winning enough of the stuff you bid on? But mm. within that, there's strategies as well. Mm. I know some people, for example, just want to target one sector mm. and that's what they do. And therefore they build up loads of creds and therefore they get high success in their sector. Mm. Others want to spread their wins across sectors, for example. Yeah, that's true. And with that kind of numbers game that you're describing, does that mean we should perhaps approach sales with a uh, in, in an approach where we're just trying to reach a number. We're just trying to do that many proposals with quality, but should we be just aiming for a number and trying to hit that number? Well, the top the top sports people who I happen to have written a very, very good book with, um, you have Olympic gold medal winning people, they separate out into process goals, outcome goals, performance goals. Mm. So the outcome is get gold medal. Process is steps to deliver my best performance mm. performance goals. how hard am i working in any individual training session mm. and i th- i think sales like that I, I wouldn't worry about whether you're going to hit your numbers or not if mm. i if i was in my heart of hearts don't worry about that too much mm. the question is are you doing the process to hit the numbers and then within that are you putting in a performance so let's say if the process is write a proposal go to a meeting do the proposal follow up have a bit of negotiation try and close the deal yeah are you is your proposal the performance aspect is that a really good proposal is your meeting is that a really good meeting here's the killer is your follow up is that really good follow up you know your negotiation is that really good negotiation so so if you think about following that process and doing a really good job at each step of the performance mm. then the odds are you're going to do well if you work hard enough mm. and i think typically we might think that one of those areas is more more important or the important area. Maybe we think it's the proposal. Mm. Um, maybe we think it's the negotiation. It doesn't matter what happens until then. Uh, yeah. Not often do we think the follow-up is the most important part. No. When in that process do you think people make their decision? Probably just after the meeting. Do you think? I reckon. When do you think it is? <sighs> Early. Early, yeah, <laughs> yeah. First seven seconds of the meeting or something. I think it can be. Yeah. Maybe even before they contacted you, they could be thinking, actually, this company looks really good. Mm. So, so, yeah, I'd work really hard up front. And I don't know, people, people, maybe we can smell whether we want to work, buy something or work with someone. You know, there's, mm. there's also other senses at play other than just, does it stack up? Yeah. Um, and then another thing that I would say is important is are you going about the process in a different way from your competitors? So imagine if you've got vendor A, B, and C. Mm. You go to visit vendor A, B, and C, or they come to you. They're all running the same process, mm. and they've all got a broadly comparable product. How do you decide? Whereas if out of A, B, and C, if a company B or person B has got a unique approach, mm. at least you're now 
splitting into two groups. Which approach do right. I like? A and C or B? Mm. You already turned what was a three-way dis- discussion into a two-way discussion. Right. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. So you're not talking about the quality of what you're doing or the product you're offering. You're, you're talking about the approach you're taking in, in selling it. Selling rewards people who are uniquely brilliant. Um, so you need to have, I think it, it works, it's important to have some uniqueness to you as well, mm-hmm. as a person and as the process if possible. Mm. Um, again, when we were working with Mini, they said, Let, how do we reimagine the automotive sales process when I was working there? I had been brought up that there are steps in the sale and you must follow those. And the mini guy said, well, if everyone else is doing that, why don't we try and do something different? And in sales at the time in automotive, the point was you had to present the product that you were going to sell and then take them for a test drive. And they said, well, why don't we just take them for a test drive straight away? And then I said, that might be because which car are you going to take? How, how, how can you decide which model to go out in? Mm. He said, well, let's just take down all the barriers to a test drive. And let's, just, let's just get them in the car. And then once we're driving, let's start talking. Uh, or asking questions. And um, again, really interesting. So if you imagine you're buying five, you go to visit four, four dealerships to buy a car, you're not sure which one to buy, you've got a few, and you go to t- two or three of them and they're exactly the same process. And you go to Mini and the guys go, oh, come on, let's go. Let's grab a drink from the, from the bar, get a soft drink and let's go for a drive and talk about it. And you're driving around in the car thinking, all oh, right, okay, yeah, this, I, li- I like these people. So th- there's a uniqueness aspect. Mm. Um, and I'm really big into game theory. And I think, I guess it's a, it's a, probably a game theory optimal play to have a unique selling approach compared to your competitors. Yeah, I think so. GTO, game theory optimized. Okay, GTO, there we go. Um, and then when it comes to those metrics that, that we might be tracking, you're, you're running running a business. What metrics are important to you? Um, as, we, as we talked about before, I think the total amount of pipeline that you're bidding on, your win rate are important. But all of those... The pipeline is a, is a leading indicator. It's telling you what you might win. What you have won is a lagging indicator. It's telling you what you have won. Mm. And that's also why I wonder whether results are really the thing to focus on. Mm. So let's say I'm really looking at last quarter, how you did. Mm. That's okay, isn't it? But it's not, not making me win more for next quarter. No. So I try and focus on the leading indicators. For example, pipeline, meetings booked, work rates, things in bid. Um, if I was in sales management, I'd... Tr- try and get good data on those. And then I think, you know, I've, over time you start to understand for each business you work with how those, how those things are driven. And then you, so then you can look at level down and say, what are the drivers of success in those leading indicators? And then that, that's where the magic is. If you can work on that, um, warm leads or connections or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the, the working on the drivers of the leading indicators the sales should just pop out the bottom, really, if you're if you're good. Mm. Should work like a funnel, and like a funnel should. Yeah, but I guess the other part is whether you're are you you yourself fascinated by by the selling process, and are you trying to learn something new? And I think that can give you a good edge if you're constantly trying. Let's say every week you decide to try one tweak to your routine. Mm. It keeps you interested. So, mm. you know, you, you're if you're just trying to perfect. I've got a friend who's a drummer in the West End. And he played the same show 600 and something times or more. How did he keep himself engaged? His idea was to try to hit each drum beat exactly in the middle of the acceptable range of a drum beat for every show. So but that is quite reductive, quite, it's quite intense. But the thing is sales, maybe rather than trying to perfect your selling approach, I encourage people to keep experimenting with it and to keep trying new things and to have enough 
in bid that it doesn't matter if they lose a specific deal. Um, I think that that takes off a lot of the pressure. Um, but don't do what my friend did when he went for a job, job interview. He asked me for some advice on how to sell himself. And I talked about the role of body language and matching. And afterwards I said, how'd it go? He said, well, I don't think I'm going to get the job. I said, well, why is that? He said, well, the body language has fantastically matched the person brilliantly. So I built this incredible report. The only problem was I couldn't hear what they were saying because I was concentrating on the body language. So I couldn't answer any of the questions. You know, so... Yeah, it goes like, too far. Don't go too, too far. <laughs> but I do think, you know, try and keep things fresh by, by changing your repertoire and... Yeah. Um, also look for a um, stimulus outside of your work. So I draw st- a lot of stimulus from poker when it comes to sales. There's the body language component, the math component, and then the deal-making component. Mm. And um, so like, when I'm looking, I might look at, maybe look at that for some stimulation and think, okay, well, how can I adapt my approach based on what the top poker players are doing? Or mm. maybe listen to some great podcasts and think, okay, how can I try something that someone else is doing? Mm-hmm. There's a ton of great stuff out there. Read some books. Yeah, there's a lot we can be inspired by. Not necessarily sales books, like you say. It could just be that thing that inspires us or, or there's something about the way a sports team play mm. or the way they organise themselves and win that could Definitely. be inspiring to us. And what, why is it that when people go to Paris, they want to go to the Louvre and when they go to the Louvre, they want to look at the Mona Lisa? I mean, why? That's, that's the kind of thing that you could, you could take that and say, yeah. hang on a minute, why is it that, that people fly to this city and then they go to a museum and they go to look at a painting that is exactly the same one everyone else is going to look at? Mm. That, how can I incorporate that in my sale? What, what do mm. I need to be better at sales without that? Then? Okay, well, I need an iconic image that's naturally going to capture people's attention. I need a, a venue that everyone's going to want to visit. Mm. I need to create a story about yeah. why we should go to Paris. Some social proof maybe that other people are doing it. Yeah, have yeah, you been to thing. social proof? Would be good. Yeah. Have you been to Paris? Yeah. Did you go to the Louvre? Yeah. yeah did you look at the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Everyone does. I'm just Everybody stood there is. thinking, why am I looking at it's this really doing, miserable lady? Yeah. Like, what's the point? Yeah. She's behind sheets of glass. Yeah. Um, is it a good painting? I don't know. Uh, you're, you, you did graphical <laughs> stuff at university. Is it yeah, good? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. But you just do it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. There's so, some kind of influence at play that, that takes you there. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. There's there's something we can learn from from a lot of different stimulus like that that could help our selling. What if someone came to you and said, I, I'm running a sales team, perhaps perhaps new to the role. I want to spark them. How, how do I go about it? What would you mm, say to them? Good, it's a good question. Uh, let's start out with the, the facts of life. I reckon a lot of salespeople don't like the sales manager, really. No. Awkward to admit, but yeah. possibly. Yeah. I'm trying to think through the ones who've gone, I love my <laughs> sales manager. Have you never heard that? <laughs> I haven't heard of that quite like that. I mean, yeah. I know some really good sales managers. Yeah. Uh, consistency, fairness, mm. um, giving people the success, realizing that the sales manager job is easier than the salesperson job. Right. What do you um, mean by that? Excel, desk, spreadsheet. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> That's a sales manager job. <laughs> Meetings. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, and then also probably they get a percentage of the commission of the sales team. So they don't, they don't have to sell the stuff, but they make the money from it. Um, so I guess, I guess that's that's one part of it, which is, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an analogous role, actually. But like the head teacher at school. Mm. Did, you, did you, people go, oh, I love the head teacher, I love the, I love that powerful figure that tells everyone what to do. And no, no, I, d- I don't remember hearing that. So, so I guess to, you want to be an inspirational sales manager. You need to be extremely fair. And and if you've been working in sales and you've got people skills, mm. um, then 
it can correlate that you can be have favourites and you know if someone's doing really well overemphasize them mm. I think a, another thing that um, I'd, re- I'd recommend for any good sales manager is get your dashboard up and make it get it really visible mm. so that you can people can see what is happening and that they get to understand what's happening and people will work out then what they need to do and we've got the right leading indicators and the right dashboards and the right communication um, and then Another thing they're really good at is just discipline. So let's let's run consist the same good meeting consistently well. Let's um, let's be fair. Let's not shy away from anything. Mm. And then the best sales people managers are really good at coaching. So if you recognise that sales is a performance job, I'm not thinking actually the really good ones are doing it now. They're very good in coaching. They're very good in human motivation. Very good at managing individuals, but they're really good in coaching. If you can get your team to grow their skill set, you will do better and better. And a bit like we were discussing before about process versus outcomes, mm. for the sales manager, hitting the result, that's a terrible that's a terrible goal. You, your real aim should be to have the absolute most capable sales team you possibly can. And if, if you invest in that, the goals will come, and sustainably. But also other people want to work for you. They want to work in your team. They'll say, when I, Chris Lisman's team, he's, they're doing really well. If I go and work in Chris Lisman's team... I will learn how to do that well. Um, so you solve some of your talent pipelines as well that way. Yeah, that's really good, really good advice. And for anyone that's new to selling or perhaps as we were talking about earlier, you you found yourself in that role, you weren't expecting it, you didn't particularly want it. And you've talked about how finding our, our sales motivation is important, finding what kind of, uh, what kind of motivates us and, and inspires us to, to sell uh, more or, or in a better way, what would you say to someone perhaps intimidating a bit, intimidated a bit by the, the idea of selling? I'm probably not a good person to ask because I'm naturally quite confident. So I think, I think that, that um, if, you're, if you're starting out in sales and you feel, yeah, you're not sure or you're nervous or you're reluctant somehow, you've got to find a mentor and you've got to say, I'll tell them, I'll say, look, you know, can you help me? I found people, when, you, when asked to help most people, if you go to someone in the street and say, can you help me? Most, a lot of people say yes. Mm. Uh, if you say, can you help me? Can you give me some money? I need my train fare. People start, they think, actually, I've heard this patter before. This may, may or may not be true. They don't think, oh, this person really needs a train fare. <laughs> but, but most people, if you go, go to someone work and say, look, I, I'd really appreciate some help. Could you help me? Um, most people say yes. And I, I, if you're new to sales, I try and get a mentor that's going to see you through the turbulent times of getting started. Mm. You're going to have successes. You're going to have highs and lows. Probably at the start, you probably have quite a lot of successes because you probably work quite hard, probably do a good job. Um, but, um, yeah, having some some support to guide you would be good. Um, and then, again, don't, as with many things, don't make your identity about whether you're successful or not. Be patient. The success will come. Let's find that mentor and be patient as well. Mm. We're coming to the end of this, this podcast. Oh, no. I know. It's, an, it's another one wrapped up. Do but- we have to? But before we go, I do want to ask you about how interactive workshops are working in this area of sales enablement with clients. What what are we doing in this space? We so we work this this is a really big area of learning development. Sales enablement is probably the one of the biggest spends. Um, certainly, when we did our data last year, one of the biggest spends with us over over even management and, le- and leadership development, mm-hmm. um, over soft skills, personal development, over product training. Um, but um, the, the the game is moving on fast 
And I think digital tools to do digital sales enablement is rising up massively. Um, sellers that I talk to also, and this, this could be the dark mind of sellers, but they like working from home. Interesting. They like autonomy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they like having on-demand stuff that they can get done. Mm. But I would, I would also say they need a sense of belonging. They're obviously people, people, and um, equipping them with courses and programs uh, is valuable. The pitfall I'd like to, I would suggest to avoid in in learning and development is uh, the over niching your content or your 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 skill sets. So if you, if you think about the way that sales works, is people basically assimilate a small set of things that they can do well. Let's talk about the analogy of for football, our favourite other topic. But you might be good at dribbling, you might be good at defending, you might be good at shooting, you might be good in goal, you might be good at dribbling and shooting, you might be good at dribbling and defending, you might be good at defending and shooting, but you're probably not going to be good at them all. Mm. And also, if are you really going to use the things that you're not good at in the match? Mm. You're probably going to try and find a way to do it with the things you're good at. Yeah. And I think a lot of um, sales enablement, they try to make selling more and more complicated, more and more complicated, and then the salesperson, they're trying to make things more and more simple. Right. So imagine, I'm just trying to think um, of a, a kind of way of phrasing this to an example. But let's say you're, you just want to go on holiday. You just want to go on holiday and have a nice time. Mm-hmm. But I'm super niching every different type of holiday that you could go on and asking you to be ready to go on all of them. Okay. And then you, and so it go to visit all the places and make sure that you've understood exactly how they all are before you right. go on holiday. All you really don't want to do is lie on a beach. And I think yeah. I think a lot of salespeople, the, the people themselves are trying to reduce the complexity. And sometimes in sales enablement, there's a kind of, oh, every job's different, every role's different, this type of sale's different from that type of sale. Uh, and they are, they are. It's, it's trying to find that appropriate um, granularity. Right. But the salespeople in the end, if they, if they were, let's say they were selling in um, company A, Mm. and now they move to company B, it's unlikely they're going to radically change how they go about it. And haven't you just hired them because they were succeeding, succeeding or they were good, maybe? Yeah. So um, human beings, we tend to operate the same processes and do things the same way. Of course, we might change our process if the, the process is structured differently, but, but essentially salespeople are trying to simplify things, not make them more complicated. Yeah. And um, I would advise that as the kind of start point. Yeah, it's a good start point isn't it? and a good thing to uh, to avoid falling into the pitfall. Um, that's all we've got time for, Jonna. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, join us next time when we'll be discussing how to spark productivity. Thank you very much, Chris. It's been great to be here. See you then. Thanks for watching this video by Interactive Workshops. Give it a like down below and subscribe to the channel so you don't miss the next video. Click through to here or here to watch another video by Interactive Workshops.